Hi, dear friends. Oh, I have missed being with you all for study on Tuesday and Wednesday mornings. And I'm doing this recording in my basement the second time around because I goofed up the recorder the first time. But I am just thinking of you all and sending love and prayers to you and your families. And as we start this lesson on the Helmet of Salvation, let's pray together. Our great God and Father, we ask that as we open your word together, Lord, that you would speak by your Holy Spirit, that you would strengthen us, guide us, equip us, and help us to live out what we're learning about you and what you're calling us to. In Jesus' name, amen. I never cease to be amazed at how the Lord speaks to us through his word and gives us the truths that we need at just the right time. And I can't help but think that in January, when we started this study on the armor of God, that the Lord knew what we would be experiencing now in March, in April. And I just believe that he's given us this study and that he's been speaking to us through his word, through the book of Ephesians just what we need to hear for this time. We've been learning about standing firm in the power of Christ, who is exalted over all, and being reminded that there is no power in this world or in heaven that is, that is greater. We've been focusing on walking in the light rather than battling the darkness. We've been reminded that we are Christ's body, the church built together in his love, living in unity in order to reveal God's saving love to the world. And as God's children, we have been fully equipped with the armor of God, with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. And we are not equipped for our own comfort. We are equipped so that Christ can work through us to advance his kingdom in this world. I also believe that it's no coincidence that we are experiencing this pandemic during this season of Lent and now this week, Holy Week. And as we celebrate Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and then Easter Sunday this weekend. May we soak up the wonder that Christ gave his life. He sacrificed his life on our behalf. And even in the midst of this present crisis, what may we sing and shout to the whole world this Sunday, Easter Sunday, hallelujah, Jesus is risen. We have a savior, the risen Lord who has conquered sin and death and the enemy, who offers new life to sinners, who brings the dead to life, who carries our sorrows, who heals and restores, who has the power to make all things new. We've just completed week six, which is the lessons are on the helmet of salvation. And I would encourage you to take time to listen as well to the teaching on the shield of faith that our dear friend Julie Doherty posted last week. 
and I hope also that you've been, enjoyed reading through the book of Ephesians, especially chapter 6 over these last few weeks, and that you can continue to do so. Now, I would say it would be a great time for you to go back and review what you've learned through this study, and hopefully in your groups you can share via email, email or Zoom or however you're connecting, what you've learned about God through this study and how he's been transforming you. When I think of putting on the helmet of salvation, I believe there are two important truths that are highlight, highlighted in the book of Ephesians about salvation. The first is God's sovereign plan of salvation, and the second is that salvation is a work of God's abundant grace. Now, as Americans who are encouraged to be independent and self-sufficient, may, we may often be tempted to think that we're in charge or that we have some sense of control over our lives. Yet, experiencing this pandemic is highlighting the reality that we definitely are not in charge. And yet, oh, we know the one who is. Our God is sovereign. He is the supreme ruler who has ultimate authority over all things. And his goal, his great goal, is to unfold his kingdom throughout human history, to draw all people to himself through Christ and Christ's body, the church. Let's read together from Ephesians 1 verses 3 to 14. And as I'm reading, I would love for you to listen to all the phrases that reveal how God planned to bring salvation beforehand and then how he worked to accomplish it, his, his purposes of salvation. Ephesians 1, beginning with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Do you see it, ladies? God's great plan of salvation. He chose us to be holy. He planned beforehand that we would be adopted according to the purpose of his will. Our redemption and forgiveness was accomplished through Jesus' sacrifice. 
and his grace was lavished on us. In all God's wisdom, he made known his will according to his purpose, his plan to unite all things in Christ. And our inheritance was predestined and we're sealed with the spirit that points ahead to that inheritance that's guaranteed. In eternity past, he planned and he worked to accomplish his will and purposes. God is definitely in charge. He plans and then he accomplishes his plans. And he has offered a solution for the greatest problem of all, humanity's sin. That sin that separates us from God. And so God has, he, in his son, Jesus Christ, he's offering salvation to all. So ladies, let's be reminded of who our God is, our great sovereign God. He is too powerful to be controlled by any earthly powers. Nothing that this world throws at him is too difficult for him to handle. He's not surprised by this current situation. He's not freaking out. He's not worried about what's going to happen next or how about how all of this will turn out. He is not overwhelmed. He is not unprepared. He's not feeling the need to go get more toilet paper. He has not made many, any mistakes. He didn't forget a part of his plan. He is on his throne, reigning over all of creation, and he continues to bring about his good purposes in this world. Our God is mighty to save, and he's still working, reaching with a mighty and outstretched arm to save sinners. And there is nothing stronger than his redeeming love. And he is still working to draw people to himself. God's sovereign plan of salvation. And then also in these same verses, we see that salvation is a gift worked by God's abundant grace. God has blessed us with grace in his beloved son, Jesus. And I love the phrase that Paul uses, to the praise of his glorious grace. And through the riches of, Christ, of God's grace, we've been given redemption through Christ's perfect sacrifice and the forgiveness of sins. And then this phrase that grace has been lavished upon us. Another version says showered upon us. Grace is God's coming down to show his favor to us. It's him bending low to reveal how he delights in us. He is overflowing with grace, not because we deserve it, but it's it's what it's his character. It's given to us as a gift. Michael Card describes grace as this. When the person I have a right to expect nothing from gives me everything. And that's what God does for us in showering us with with grace. Grace really can even be defined just through one word. It's God's loving kindness. It's his covenant faithfulness. It's his steadfast love, love that never fails. We are chosen by grace, and God's grace has graced us in his beloved son, Jesus. Grace is the power that accomplishes our salvation, and it's not just a little bit of grace. <laughs> the riches of his grace are lavished upon us. His grace abounds to us. 
this uh, this showering, this lavishing speaks of furnishing one richly so that he has abundance. In other words, God gives us so much grace that we have way more than we need. We are filled to overflowing. When we thank God for the gift of our salvation in Christ, pray, uh, Paul gives us that wonderful phrase to use, to the praise of his glorious grace. And may that word of praise be flowing from our lips. Salvation is a gift worked by God's abundant grace. And so how will we respond to this God who is sovereign and has worked out his plan to accomplish our salvation and does so so graciously? Let's look at Paul's example as we seek to look at how we should respond. We see Paul trusts in God. He is found often in prayer, and he also loves well. Paul, who wrote this letter to, to the Christians in Ephesus, he wrote it from prison, and he identifies himself in the letter as an ambassador in chains. Paul's calling was to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. He spent his life traveling near and far throughout the Roman world to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord and to invite all to trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. We find in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 28, the battles that Paul faced as he sought to fulfill the mission that was given to him by Christ himself. He was imprisoned many times. He was beaten and stoned and shipwrecked. And he was in danger from his own people. He was in danger from the Gentiles. He was in danger in the city and danger on the roads and danger on the seas and in danger in the wilderness. You can look that up on your own and, and see there, that Paul faced much trouble and much opposition. And yet when I think of Paul writing this letter, as he did write some other of his epistles as well from prison. Some could look at that situation and think, oh, well, his ministry has been thwarted. You know, the powers of this world are winning. But Paul continues to stand firm in his mission. He continues to worship and praise, to preach and to pray, to lead and to love and to reach out and encourage through writing these letters to the churches. We see another time that Paul is in prison. In Acts 16, 28, he's in, in prison with Silas. And there it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas, what were they doing in prison? They were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. The Lord sent an earthquake, and this story ends, this scene ends with the jailer, of that prison and his household all believing in the Lord Jesus <laughs> and receiving salvation. And so I think, oh, I want to be like Paul. Paul doesn't seem to be wringing his hands or asking questions about why he's in prison or why things haven't gone like he would have planned. He's trusting in God's plans. He's praying and singing and seeking to love others. Um, but 
even from prison. So ladies, we are in a difficult time. We aren't in prison. We're sheltering at home. And I've seen this phrase in the media lately that says this, your grandparents were called to war. You're being called to sit on your couch. We can do this, right? So life is not what we planned. We don't know how long we will be sheltering at home and won't be able to gather in large groups. We find some people who are out of work and some people who are still going to work because their work is considered essential. Ladies, we have a choice, moment by moment, day by day. Are we going to focus on the fact that things aren't going the way that we would have planned? Or are we going to choose to trust and to praise God? May we be ones who are trusting in God's sovereignty and proclaiming that he's still working out his purposes in this world. Paul David Tripp says this, God is in absolute control and he is infinitely good. My job is to live inside of the plot that God has written for me in the way I have been called by him to live. So ladies, let's not wallow in worry. Let's worship. Let's not give in to panic. Let's pray and give praise to our gracious God. Let's not continually complain. Let's give thanks continually. Let's not meditate on the media. Let's meditate on God's word. Let's not give in to despair. Let's hold on to hope. And oh, our hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Let's not let our joy stop. Let's keep rejoicing. We can always rejoice because the salvation that Jesus brings. And oh, may we pray. Pray that the world may, may know Jesus as the true Lord of all. I encourage you to pray the prayers that Paul prayed. In Ephesians chapter 1, in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. And may we pray for those who are sick. Pray for those who have lost loved ones. For those who are working. For the healthcare workers who are pouring out their lives even now to care for the sick. And I do have to say, I've been so grateful to see God's people trusting and praising and praying to God and loving others well. Here are the things that I've I've heard from friends recently. One said, I'm so excited to see what God is going to do through this. Another said, I'm being intentional with my extra time. I want to make the most of this. One said simply, I'm content. Another said, we can do this. We can get through this. Another said, through this season of difficult difficulty, the Lord is wooing us to himself to heal us. Another said, the things we've leaned on for security are being stripped away right now. May we depend on the Lord alone. May the Lord refine us during this time. And my co-leader said simply, we are strong and connected. And I think what a beautiful summary of our study that is right there. We are strong and connected. I spoke with a friend from college who lives in New Jersey just the other night. Last week, both her father and her cousin passed away from COVID-19. And so I think this is also a time 
to grieve with each other, to lament together, to cry out to God for mercy. And may our hearts break with his over the loss and the suffering that is going on during this time. And ladies, I want to proclaim to you what Mark Green says. The gospel is not an invitation to a leisure time pursuit, but to a whole life adventure in cooperating with the Lord of the universe in bringing his rule to every square meter of this earth. And I think of a friend who also said, every day on the news they are telling us the number of people who are losing their lives to this virus. She said, I choose to believe that the number of lives the Lord will save will be way greater. So each day we put on the armor, not just to be strong for ourselves, but to advance his kingdom. Paul didn't quit when he was imprisoned. He found new ways to love and to share the good news of the gospel. So how do we love in these days? We must be vigilant in following instructions to shelter at home, doing our part to stop the spread of the COVID-19 virus. This is how we love those who are most vulnerable. And I think this is one of the beautiful things that has come out of this situation. The whole world is hearing the call loud and clear that we cannot just live as we please. We must do our part to protect and care for those who are vulnerable, for those for whom this virus is extremely dangerous. And it's my prayer that the church would lead the way in this, in, this, in the caring for the vulnerable. And at the same time, ladies, we must not put a do not disturb sign out on our front door. We must turn our gaze outward to see the needs of others. May we Heed God's calling to be ready to share the gospel of peace. As another friend said, this is a time of great opportunity. People are afraid. They're looking for answers. Let's be the ones that are ready to share his love and offer others hope to point them to Jesus and the salvation that he brings. Each day, may we be on our knees asking how we can share his love that is so high and wide and long and deep. Maybe it's spending more time in prayer. Maybe it's writing letters. A gal in my group has is, is written letters to some older ladies that she knows in a local nursing home. When the Lord brings someone to your mind, call them, FaceTime them. I'm so excited now because I've learned to Zoom. Zoom is my new favorite. I love getting to see people's faces and hear their voices on my computer. That's a way that we can connect and reach out. Maybe this is a time where the Lord will prompt you to reach out to someone who is difficult for you to love. And I think that some may be looking at our current situation and think that God's love has stopped. But we will be the ones that will proclaim and live and reveal that God's love is never ending and knows no bounds. That wherever people are in this world, that God's love is there in abundance. May his love flow through us in new and unique ways during this time. So every day, ladies, as you put on the helmet of salvation, remember how God sovereignly planned 
salvation and accomplished it. And he did so with his abounding grace. And may we be the ones who respond with trust and prayer and praise and sharing his love with the world. Amen.